Hi. Before we start this episode, I'd like to give you a quick content warning. We will be discussing the 1930s version of All Quiet on the Western Front, which means there will be quite a lot of talk about Nazis and some discussion of gruesome war violence and injuries. Thank you, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Okay, you got your uh, snacks finished? I got my tea ready yeah. to go? Everyone at home, get your uh, get your snacks. What is What was your snack recommendation for today? Chocolates in... No, wait. Strawberry chocolate in, in no, strawberries? No, no, no. <laughs> no, strawberries with chocolate, but like like melted chocolate. I just had strawberries and chocolate separately, but I would recommend <laughs> like having them together. <laughs> okay, let's let's get to it. <laughs> privilege this time and present to you the awards of the academy this year hello everyone and welcome back to the third ever episode of i'd like to thank my wife i am tijo E's co-host i am e tijo's co-host and uh in this podcast we are going to go through every single academy award best picture nominee starting all the way back in 1929 and taking us all the way to present day and today we are dealing with the third academy awards oh my god yeah isn't it exciting it so is. yeah it's wild the last ones the second one uh those were held in april 1930 and i teased last episode that we'd be sticking in 1930 that is the case yeah the, that's crazy yeah the third academy awards were held on november 5th 1930 um and they awarded films released between august 1st 1929 and july 31st 1930 they decided to hold the awards in november so that they were slightly closer to the eligibility period because last time it was between August 1, 1928 and July 31st, 1929. Uh, but then the awards weren't until April, so there was like half a year between that. Mm-hmm. They decided to move them closer, um, but that means that the ceremony took place only seven months after the previous ceremony, right. which means that 1930 is the only year in history that has two uh, Academy Awards ceremonies. Okay. Yeah. Kind of wild. Um, yeah, so there's not that much drama going on this year. No, Everything, no tea. No tea. Everything was pretty chill. People were nominated, they showed up and they got their awards and there was no, like, no crazy things going on. Um, there's a few interesting tidbits here and there. Uh, the awards are mostly the same. We still have Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, Best Writing, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Directing, and Outstanding Picture, which this year has been renamed to Outstanding Production. Um, because I think they were really leaning into this being talky. So it's not just pictures anymore. They're, they're pictures and sounds right. now. It's a whole production. Um, right. That makes sense. Yeah. We have an extra award this time. Oh. Uh, and it's for best sound recording, which makes sense in this era to, yep. to have that reward. Very much. Um, a, a little interesting fact is that uh, all but two of the awards were, in fact, won by our Best Picture nominees. Uh, the only ones that weren't won by our Best Picture nominees are Best Cinematography and Best Art Direction, which went to With Bird at the South Pole and King of Jazz, respectively. Every mm-hmm. other award went to one of the nominees that... Um, that we're gonna why why does king of jazz sound like it was inspired by something it like does by... it sounds i don't know right it, it sounds, sounds kind of similar doesn't yeah, it crazy. sounds like it's something like... we watched last week yeah it was kind of <laughs> two, two weeks ago even two months ago 
<laughs> oh, two months ago already. It's oh, crazy. Okay. Yeah, because last last month we had all the all the all those other movies. Oh my god. So yes, we have these uh, these these eight awards, uh, six of which won by our nominees that we're watching tonight. Uh, Ooh. An interesting fact about these these uh, these awards is that this is the awards that were filmed for the first time. Not all of the awards. Oh my god. Yeah, not all of them, but a portion uh, for interest yeah. so yes uh, a special academy award was filmed and um the best actress winner and the best writing winners were were filmed yeah let's go yeah so uh actually uh, there are some fun facts about the uh, best writing winner for instance but i'm gonna leave those because we're gonna get the movies that that, that got this um, right right so is the recording in like is it public property now or like is it watchable somewhere or can we not we actually can yes the oscars have publicized this recording on their youtube channel so um, sick again it's not the whole ceremony but there's some no. interesting tidbits there that's really cool yeah, that's like pretty that. cool it's pretty sick um the only sort of general thing that i have because we're not really going to be talking about this uh is that the best sound recording award was won by um douglas shearer he is the mm-hmm. brother of Norma Shearer, our winner for Best Actress in The Divorcee. Uh, so they are mm. the first sibling Oscar winners in history. Oh. Yeah. That's, that's uh, nice. especially fun because they won on the same year. It's, it's nice. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So yeah, um, that's pretty much all I have generally. So I think we should just... Ah, it's just, you know, dramaless uh, drama-less year. But we, we will move year. on to the movies we watched the movies we watched um and i'd say we you know we go through this alphabetically again starting us out with all quiet at the western all front quiet. i just the moment i saw on the i saw on the list of things we needed to watch all quiet on the western front mm-hmm. i had a i had some vietnam flashbacks i i had a i, I understand a i understand this very uh, much because you know um for those that don't know, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front was remade several times, actually. But the newest one was um, actually nominated for a few things in the latest Oscar. So the 95th, those were, I think. 95th, yeah. Also, a, um, a few things is a goddamn understatement. Yeah, so, and we uh, we had some thoughts on that. I, if you want to check that out, it should be in the first episode. Episode that zero, we baby episode zero but uh yeah we had some thoughts on that one Mm. so i was i was a little scared but maybe we should first talk about this movie just on its own and then later we can compare it to the current uh, one the 2022 one let's um, let's do that yeah um so this movie as well it's all quiet on the western front it is a group of young german students who uh, get convinced that dying for your country is a super noble thing and then they go Mm -hmm. to war and it turns out that actually dying for your country kind of fucking sucks uh and war is bad and you know war bad is a very well-treaded message nowadays but back then this was pretty fucking revolutionary yeah Um, like it was about the first world war which had at that point only happened like less less than 20 years ago yeah Yeah. 1914 was the start of it yeah it was it was was, uh i'm i'm not really into war movies right so Mm -hmm. i always try to kind of push that aside when i'm watching these try to be a little bit more objective on it and with you know, putting that perspective on it, I think it was quite good, actually. I like, really liked this. Yeah, it was, is, it was... It's surprising, because the thing yeah. is that... I, not to immediately start comparing it to the, to the new one, right? <laughs> but the new one was made in Germany by German people. 
And mm. I think I distinctly remember when we were talking about this one, well, you know, talking about the other one, we went, mm-hmm. oh, you know, America had to fucking do it. So maybe the remake would be better. Mm-hmm. America actually did it better this time for s- somehow. I don't yeah. know how they managed, but this shit was great. Uh, yeah, as you know, I liked I'm, it a lot. I'm really into the book. Um, yeah. And... Or I shouldn't say really into, but the book had a very big impact on me, and I was really disappointed to mm-hmm. see that the 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 new movie did not have you know the core message of the book. This movie stayed so much closer and so much truer yeah. to that, um, and I I genuinely enjoyed the full two hours of this a, a lot. Yeah, it was yeah. I I I had a little. I had to you know keep paying attention to it like actively try to keep paying attention mostly because it's not my genre still mm, that but makes i sense, do yeah. think it's just it's a good movie and i also really like the way they're just not necessarily even maybe i should just read the first thing they have one title card that it starts out with and i really liked it because mm-hmm. it kind of explains the stance they take on war and yep. i thought it was really interesting um so it says This story is neither an accusation nor a confession, and least of all an adventure, for death is not an adventure to those who stand face to face with it. It will try simply to tell of a generation of men who, even though they may have escaped its shells, were destroyed by the war. Literally word for word from the book. Um, And (laughs) Yeah, that's what this movie is, more so than its counterpart. It is, it is, yeah, yeah. They the the whole thing of him going back and being ostracized for fighting in a war that people convinced him to fight in, they got it. They got it down. This is what the book was about. Yeah, I I definitely I haven't read the book, but having heard from you what it's about, this makes a lot of sense. And I just I think they did a really good job at just having these characters that this time you actually care about yeah. <laughs> you and like they all have personalities and such and you the know, deaths were done so much well so much yeah better. and like... it's it's more like and i feel like with this one it's very different though i'm again it's kind of impossible to not compare this one to the 2022 one immediately because in the 2022 version of all quiet um you very much see everyone die one by one in a sense and with this one i felt it was more like you start a movie with a bunch of people and though you see you see like the main character paul's friends die at this end it's suddenly kind of like whoa no one is here anymore like you see them die but it doesn't it's not as like it with the new one it almost felt like a machine or something like oh death oh in the new one it's very much like this person's gonna die now and this person's gonna die now and this person's gonna die now and in this movie it's way more Oh fuck! Everyone's dead suddenly. What? Well, yeah, how, where are it? Yeah. yeah. I also think they did the final death so much more. That was so much better. I disagree, actually. I like this a lot more because they were not directly responsible for it. They weren't doing something stupid that got them True. fucked. This, this was just you know the, the the pain and horror of war. And for True. me, the the delivery of you could have saved yourself the trouble. He's dead. W- landed way more in this one because he was way more blasé about the whole thing. Maybe I don't know. I with the new one, the twenty twenty two version. I somehow felt m- the drama more. Like it That's was more fair. dramatic, which is not always a good thing. But I feel like in a specific case of that death, it landed more with me. That's fair. Of that. That's absolutely fair. Yeah. Again, this is just also me being a book purist, right? Mm, yeah. 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 So yeah, um, I I really like this. 
I did really like it. I also have a note though on the acting where I feel like I really liked everyone's acting except the main except character. Except the main character, I would agree. Yeah, he's a bit... He's too uh, sort of... Robotic? I don't know. It's It doesn't... Hmm. It's this thing you mentioned last month where it feels like he's reading lines. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. Which is a shame because he's the main character. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, a... it. it's also because comparing the famous trench scene of the 19 this was a 1929 movie right mm-hmm. yeah 1929 versus uh 2022 in the 1929 one it is more in context which on the yeah. one hand makes makes it more you know impactful but mm. on the other hand it's well less acted in my opinion yes which makes it Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, that that I definitely agree with. I think the the best of both worlds definitely would lie in a combination of these two. But if yeah, you if sure. you were to only watch one of them, I I personally would recommend this one rather than the other one. I think it's the I think it's the more cohesive. Same. Product. I I don't think I'd recommend either one. But yeah, yeah but that's again not your genre. <laughs> if I if you had to choose, I did like this one better. That for sure. Yeah. Um, mostly because it it just tells the book more directly and mm. i like the message of the book where it's just trying to say like this these soldiers are fucked no matter what they like they can go home but there is just no yeah, life there's for no them there's there no anymore. way this is happening yeah whereas it where war is bad is still not a you know that's still a good message but it's less original and mm. that is more what the new uh, all quiet was trying to say in my opinion it's very so. interesting as well because this is a very common sentiment among world war one uh soldiers lord mm-hmm. of the rings is very much this as well tolkien fought in the first world war and lord of the rings th- they come back at the end and it's this very clear sort of oh they've come back from their journey but no one understands what they've been through and they do no- they no longer have a place here in the shire yeah and that's you know that's what this movie also does really 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 well more directly because it's an actual war movie rather than it being like a fantasy uh sort of yeah. cover of it which is yeah it's a really interesting sentiment and it's something that i feel is not explored in film enough yeah that 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 makes sense let me see i still had a few notes um <laughs> I already put first shot of the first boy who we later learn his name is Kemerick. The first shot of Kemerick already shows more emotion than the entire 2022 version oh, of the movie. For real, dude. <laughs> he was just I think he was a really good actor. Like somehow his eyes always looked kind of watery, which was perfect because he was the scared guy. That was kind of his role. Yeah, he um, did really good. Yeah. And then I have those zoom in shots of the boys cheering look incredibly fake though. Like they have some shots. Mm, I know of, which ones you like. Mean. The boys, cele- well, celebrating. They're kind of cheering, like, "Yeah, we're going to war." But for some reason, they chose to have like a close-up shot shot of each boy cheering. But they- there's nothing in the background, like the other cheering boys or something. So it looks like yeah, it's, it's taken just... completely on in a different place. It's it's a very weird kind of thing. Yeah, it feels a bit um, off. Yeah. Yeah, but I did what I did like is they did similar kind of things. Like sometimes they would do shots that were in editing kind of matched to the shots firing, like to the sound. Yeah. And I really liked that. I don't know, it just just was cool. <laughs> it was. It was indeed very cool. I fully agree. 
What's also interesting is that we have been watching these old movies. This is now the third year of like old movies that mm-hmm. we're watching. And people are starting to return. We're, I'm oh, starting yeah. to recognize a lot of actors. We're getting some familiar faces, aren't we? It, yeah, it's crazy. Like we're we're just kind of experiencing the movie star um, yeah. idea, I guess. In this one, particularly, I recognized that Cat. I think is the gangster boss from the racket. He is indeed. You got that damn right. Two episodes ago, and I think the guy from the prison. But <laughs> I don't. That was not. I don't know what I why I wrote it down like that. But all right. Um, the guy from the prison. The guy from the prison. Oh, uh, I think the guy from another movie we watched this year. The, but we'll get to that. Oh, um, from the... Yeah, 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 yeah. I think his name was Butch in that one or something. That but, might scan, yeah. yes. I still have two screenshots. Okay. One of which is basically in the speech that has been given to the boys at the start by... I guess it's their teacher. The teacher yeah. is kind of hyping everyone every class up to go and join the army he yeah is, he's um, super into the war fucking loves super it super into it yeah and i thought one part of his speech in particular was kind of heavy <laughs> because he went part of, like he has a whole speech but one sentence in there is are your father so forgetful of their fatherland that they would let it perish rather than you which that's I think kind of true. Fucked. That should be yes. Yeah, I the answer yes, should be yes. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> but okay, I just, yeah, I thought it was kind of fucked. But, you know, it's supposed to be. Uh, oh, uh, it definitely is supposed to be. Yes. And then on a bit li- of a lighter note, someone drove them to the front lines. And he says, if there's any of you left, I'll pick you up in the morning. To which Kat responds, well, if that ride you gave us didn't kill us, nothing will. Which was a good little That's roast. That's good. We I like a, that. We love a little 1920s roast. <laughs> I get wrecked. You can't drive. <laughs> Wasn't even a woman. Wasn't even a woman. Wow. I love it. That's great. <laughs> um, so. Yes. Fun facts. There's a couple. This is obviously, I think, the, the, the sort of most... This movie has most, most of the five that we're going to talk about today stood the test of time. So there's mm-hmm. more fun facts about this one. It's also an interesting movie because it's, you know, a, an anti-war movie right after the First World War and right at the start of the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, because this came out in 1930. Uh, just very quickly, I want to read a review. Um, it's a retrospective review from American film critic Pauline Kahl. Uh, mm-hmm. who commented, the year 1930 was, of course, a good year for pacifism, which always flourishes between wars. The director didn't make pacifist films during the Second World War, nor did anybody else working in Hollywood. And wasn't it perhaps easier to make All Quiet just because its heroes were German? War always seems like a tragic waste when told from the point of view of the losers. Which I think is a very pro-war review about a very anti-war movie. Yeah, how... How did she get there? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's. I, f- I find it to be a very strange um, mm. concept. Yeah. Also, because it's not about losing and winning. That's literally the point of this. Yeah. Movie. The whole point there, is that there is not no even, winners. It doesn't even end in anyone winning or losing because throughout the whole movie, there's not really much mentioning of are we winning, are we losing. There are only there's one sentence towards the end of like is is the armistice. Yeah, the the armistice, yeah. Yeah, is the armistice coming? And that's the only thing they mentioned about, mm-hmm. like, 
getting towards the end of the war or like yeah, yeah genuinely just, it's not about that so yeah hmm. Uh, another review uh, from its initial release by Variety was, uh, I think, a bit more to the point, which is, um, and I quote, The League of Nations could make no better investment than to buy up the master print, reproduce it in every language to be shown in all the nations until the word war is taken out of the dictionaries. Bam. Bam. Got it. Bang on. <laughs> yep. <Damn. laughs> like, straight up. Um, okay, so there's a there's a few interesting fun facts about this one. Uh, the final scene okay. where Paul is reaching for the butterfly was shot in editing. Um, that was not originally planned to be part of it, and so the actors were no longer available. So the director had to use his own hand to, to film <laughs> that. Um, originally, Paul's mother was going to be played by a comedienne called Zasu Pitts. Um, but preview audiences who were used to seeing her in comic roles just started laughing when she appeared on screen. So the director reshot her scenes with Beryl Mercer before the film was released. Uh, there is no remaining footage of Pitts in the role, but she does appear for about 30 seconds in the original trailer for the film. Okay. Um, a great number of German army veterans were living in Los Angeles when this was filmed. Uh, so they were recruited as, you know, technical advisors and stuff. Um, and then there's the... You know that shot of the um, the soldier grabbing a strand of barbed wire and then being blown up, leaving only his hands oh, still grabbing yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. The, this was told to the director by a German soldier who was working as an extra, like a former German soldier. He saw that mm. happen genuinely during oh, a French attack. No. And they used it in the film. That's a, That's a true story. It was very impactful, oh, so yeah. I'm glad they kept it in. But the fact that I mean, it makes sense that someone saw that, but still, you know, still fucked, awful. right? Yeah, it's awful. About two thousand extras were utilized during production. Among these two thousand extras was Fred Zinnemann. He is someone who we are going to come back to because he would go on to become an Oscar-winning director. Oh, yes. This set, though, he was fired from for impudence. Oh, <laughs> damn! So that's an interesting course, though. Like going from an extra to director, like not just an extra, a fired extra. <laughs> going from a fire, <laughs> going from fired extra to one of the most acclaimed multi-Oscar winner directors. Well, crazy, inspiring, I guess, in a way. I guess, yeah. You can, anyone can do it, I guess. Like, mm. <laughs> um, and then of course, we we cannot talk about this movie without having a little chat about the Nazis. I I guess not. Yeah. Uh, you know you know who really fucking hated this movie? Hitler. Nazis? Hitler did not like uh, this movie much. Um during and after its German premiere uh in Berlin, Nazis under the command of Joseph Goebbels disrupted the viewings. They set off stink bombs, they threw sneezing powder in the air, they released white mice. Um at some point they started attacking audience members that they thought were Jewish. And they were Ooh. forcing projectors to shut down uh, while repeatedly yelling out Judenfilm. Oh my god. Yeah. Fucked. This early on already, too. This early on, yes. Um, Goebbels wrote about one of these disruptions in his diary, which is how we mostly know about these. Mm. Um, I'm going to read you this passage. It's severely upsetting. Okay. Uh, so be prepared. Within 10 minutes, the cinema resembles a madhouse. The police are powerless. The embittered crowd takes out its anger on the Jews, the first breakthrough in the West. Jews out. Hitler is standing at the gates. The police sympathize with us. 
The Jews are small and ugly. The box office outside is under siege. Window panes are broken. Thousands of people enjoy the spectacle. The screening is abandoned, as is the next one and the next one. We have won. The newspapers are full of our protest, but not even the Berliner Tageblatt dares to call us names. The nation is on our side. In short, victory. That's bad. That's severely fucked. Yes. Yeah. Reading this is a terrifying thing because mm. this is shit that, like, my crazy uncle would post on Facebook, right? Hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I, I. History repeats itself as a very scary thing. Mm. And this, for me, this little, like, diary entry was a very scary sort of reflection. Yeah, I get that. I feel like, I don't know, in general, just having, I don't know, having watched a movie like this and then relating it to a piece of history like that makes it feel more real in a sense. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's fucked. Yeah. Uh, To make it worse, this campaign was indeed successful and German authorities outlawed the film on December 11, 1930, uh, less than a week after its release. Well... That's sad. <laughs> yep. Uh, they briefly allowed a heavily cut down version in 1931, but then the Nazis came to power in 1933 and immediately outlawed the film again. Of course they did. And yeah. then it wasn't re-released in Germany until 1952. Oh my god. Yeah. Well. So yeah. Deeply severely I like, fucked. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. It's just really... It's just really fucked. Yeah. Upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, these re-releases, by the way, just really quickly, th- they mm-hmm. were still substantially cut. And um, okay. originally the director, Lewis Milestone, he scored this movie or with no music because he wanted it to be like the most sort of sober, uh, mm-hmm. like cold thing ever. And then for some reason, they scored the ending with new music later on. And he was super <laughs> against that. Uh, so uh-huh. before his death in 1980, he requested that Universal fully restore the film uh, and remove the end music cue. And that didn't end up happening until like two decades later uh, when the U.S. Library of Congress oh undertook God. an exhaustive restoration of the film in 2006. Uh, that's the version we watched, which incorporates all known surviving footage at 133 minutes long mm-hmm. um, and removes the end music cue again. Yeah, I I didn't even really notice, you know. That's crazy. Yeah. Because usually music is so important to a movie, but I Yeah, it's it's very impressive that they managed to make this so intriguing without any use of music. Yeah. Which I suppose I think... is is why uh Lewis Milestone won best director for this movie. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's I do think it's also important uh to note that Lewis Milestone his name is fucking made for it because he set the milestone of being the first person uh, to win two Academy Awards. Oh, yep. Let's he go. he also got the first Academy Award for Best Director uh, for a comedy specifically because he directed two Arabian Nights. Ah, I see, I see, I see. From the first year, I think. From right? the first year, yep. Ah, okay, sick. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the movie guess... got a sequel in 1937, but it was a bit shit because uh, <laughs> it was made in 1937 
and it combined a strong anti-war message with prescient warnings about the rising dangers of Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. um, who, you know, promptly banned the novel and the film. Mm-hmm. And they threatened Universal with a boycott of all their films by the German government unless they watered down the anti-Nazi sentiments in the script. Um, and the new studio heads for Universal, who were afraid of financial loss, caved into Nazi pressure, and they just reshot the film, re-edited the whole thing, and uh, it, it, yeah, it's a uh, poop. It's bad. It's big poop. Yeah. Won't be watching that then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my final fun fact of this movie, which is going to be interesting for the rest of the movies going forward, um, mm-hmm. is that this film was shot with two cameras side by side. Uh, one of oh. the yeah, one of the negatives was edited as a sound film, and the other was edited as an international sound version. Do you know what this is? No. Okay. Allow me to tell you. An international sound version, this was a thing used in the early talking period, like 28 to like 31. Mm -hmm. Um, This is how they used to make sound films for foreign markets. They would simply remove all the dialogue, replace it with music, and put intertitles in it with foreign language uh, writing. Mm -hmm. The reason they did this is because uh, well, they, they would leave singing sequences intact or any sound sequences that, that did not involve speaking. Um, mm-hmm. The reason they did this is because what they would otherwise do is shoot a multiple language version, which was using the same sets and the same costumes, but just right. grabbing actors fluent in different languages and making the same movie twice. But this was that's... not very cost-effective. Yeah, that seems very <laughs> expensive. Yes, it was. Um, so instead, th- they did this, which uh, was very much just meant to cash in on the craze. Like anything with sound would do well at the box office. Like how we, you know, in back in two thousand nine, anything in three D would do well. Ah, okay, um, okay, okay. That's what this was. Check. And these were technically could be advertised as talkies because they had some synchronized sound, which is scummy. But you know. That's what they did. Huh, interesting. Uh, and sometimes, very sometimes, they would uh, dub the, uh, the the theme song of the movie in different languages because that's mm-hmm. like a marketable thing. Beyond that, they mm. would just uh, not yeah, give a shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I see. Well, I guess we'll move on to the next movie I then. I guess we will. Um, which is? Which is? Big House? Big House! Yeah! Yeah, the Big House. The Big House. I'm very interested to hear what you think, because from what I heard from you just just before we started recording, we have some different thoughts on this one. Uh, Yes, probably. Well, let's very quickly, like, mention what the Big House is. The Big House is about... um, It's a prison movie. It is... People sometimes... Uh, acknowledge it as, as the first prison movie. I'm not sure how accurate that is, but it is at least mm. one of the first um, and a big inspiration for many other movies in the genre. And yeah. it's about uh, three prisoners, their life in the prison, their attempts to break out, and their sort of way of, of dealing with the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and it's I I found it to be interesting. I mm-hmm. liked it, but I wouldn't... This is one of those movies that I wouldn't like recommend or or watch mm-hmm. necessarily if it wasn't for this. Um, it's something that I can look at and see and say, you know, oh, this was clearly very interesting for its time. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you know, it, 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 at right now, it's no longer a fascinating watch for me. Yeah, I get that. I I actually like this one more in the sense of I would still not recommend it to people. I don't think, but mm-hmm. I. Yeah, I I still liked it in this time. Like I just I just had a good time watching this. I had no trouble, you know, staying uh, concentrated on it. And I just I I, I don't know. I I like the story. There were some things that I disliked a little bit, but in general, I enjoyed this. But it more in a sense of it's just leisure, right? Like it's it's not yeah, anything fair. too deep or anything that have. I will still be thinking about in a few years, but I liked watching it. That that's absolutely fair. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it was also interesting because we saw Chester Morris again, who we, we saw did. last time in Alibi. Alibi, right. Um the episode before this we talked about that, but yeah, we, we saw Chester Morris again, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um I like I like his acting quite a bit. I do like I him. I liked good. him I liked him better in Alibi, but I do think he, yeah. was, he was quite good in this. I think he fit the role of Alibi a little, a little bit better. He seems like a gangster, I don't know. Yeah. We're gonna see him again, by the way. Yep, we are, we are. But yeah, and I also kind of like the three different characters where first one character comes in, I think his name was Kenny? Kent. Kent. Kent, yeah. Right. Kent comes in and he kind of seems like the main character, but eventually throughout the movie you kind of find out it's also about these two other guys, which I like. I like yeah. a little bit of an ensemble cast. Cost, cast. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's not a very notable movie. I, I no. don't have that much to say about this one in the sense of it, it just it's a nice watch, but it's, yeah. it's not... I'd agree. I, I do like. Deep. <laughs> I do like that they introduce Kent because uh, he's he's going to prison because he's a drunk driver uh, and he carelessly killed someone, and mm. that immediately sets your character up as a bit of an asshole. And I'm mm-hmm. very glad that they stuck with that throughout the movie. He's he's just a prick. He's just not yeah. a nice person. They're not trying to make you like like this man. No, he he's a drunk driver. He killed someone, and he's just generally a dick. You could see this guy being like, "Oh yeah, no, I can drive. I'm I'm you know." functional mm, yeah which is interesting by the way because if, if i had a nickel for every time there was a drunk driving accident in one of these movies i would have two nickels which is you know not a lot but it's weird that it happened twice <laughs> i don't know it's just important plot point you know important plot points man but yeah in general i there's this whole part also where the chester morris character i'm trying to remember his name uh chester morris was a uh, morgan i think yes morgan he escapes prison mm-hmm. and he once saw ken's sister and fell in love i guess so he goes to ken's sister which is really disturbing and for some reason she doesn't because he is you know an escaped convict yes an escaped convict everyone in the country is trying to find him and she's but you know her brother is in prison so she's like no nah, i feel bad for you i know how bad it is in prison and they fall in love question mark i don't know it's just yeah it was it's a, a bit, bit of fucky. a turn to take i also thought it was funny that when he comes in at first she is scared of course so she tries to call the police and the police do pick up, which is interesting because she never dialed a number. She just grabs <laughs> yeah, she that just phone grabs and phone starts and calling. Goes, yep. <laughs> uh, I I do like the, with this whole love story. I do like that he you know he chills a bit there and then gets sent, caught and sent back to prison, but then immediately goes, "Nah, man, I found love. 
I'm going straight. I'm not going to do any more crimes ever in my life. I, you know? Yeah. It's wholesome. You know, love changes a man. Love changes a man. It's nice. <laughs> Um, but then, uh, but then everything goes. But to then shit everything goes to they, shit. Uh, like everyone guns. tries to escape, and everyone is fighting each other. Oh, but two thirds of the main characters die. Everything's yeah. wild. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you have any any fun uh, any fun screenshots or notes on this one? Um, I don't have many notes, but I did put down that I the eating scene kind of left an impression, which I'm referring to. They have this scene where every convict is sitting in the cafeteria i suppose it is and they're all getting very gross food and they kind of start rebelling and i just really liked i like some of the shots in it where they kind of would just slide past all of the convicts and their different reactions to oh, the yeah. absolutely uneatable in un, inedible food yeah i also really like um, the the opening scene where they're like when when i think it's kent who's getting like admitted to the prison and they go through the whole mm-hmm. process i thought that was shot yeah. very interestingly yeah, exactly. I I did like that quite a bit. So there there were definitely good things in there, um, and I also noted that there is a stuttering character, which I thought was interesting because last time around because uh, last you time, yep. taught me that that is apparently just a thing they like to do now that they have sound and yep. like just we can make a guy we can make a funny guy stutter. So let's do yeah, it. yeah. So this this movie had one. Yeah. As for screenshots, I have. Well, basically one but it's it's just it's four of them but it's one sentence or Uh one conversation that it's about where this guy comes in i think he's actually the guy that stutters i'm not entirely sure might be but this guy comes in nobody really likes him or at least morgan and butch the two guys Mm -hmm. that kent now has to bunk with don't like him and he goes good news butch and Butch says bad news whenever you come around, which is kind of mean. <laughs> a little bit, yep. Yeah, so the guy goes, great kidder, isn't he, Morg? And Morgan goes, yes, and he's not always kidding. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Dragging this poor fucking guy. Damn. Um, oh, that's And then great. We, we have Morgan uh, to Ken's sister when he looks her up. Trying to flirt and saying, gee, you're a peach of a girl, which I'm sure was a compliment back in the day. I'm sure back then that was like, you know, (laughs) hey, did it hurt when you fell from heaven, but... Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, that was all. Do do you have uh, any any fun facts at all? I have some fun facts about this one. Um, Well, first of all, I have the fun fact, which is that uh, I'm very glad that you liked the story and dialogue in this. uh, Because they were written by Frances Marion, a woman who won the Academy Award for Best Writing Achievement. She She's the first woman to win an Academy Award Yay! that wasn't Best Actress. Slay! Yeah. Uh, she's actually... She won two Academy Awards over her uh, career span. Um, we will actually get to the next one. The, 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 the Yeah, the next one next year. Mm. Uh, because she won another Writing Award for another Best, uh, best Picture nominee. Okay, hi. So that's going to be very interesting. Um, other fun facts that I have... Uh, this is the movie that Douglas Shearer won his uh, his sound award for, so mm. bonus points. Uh, the characters of Kent and Anna, his sister, were originally mm-hmm. husband and wife, um, but then the film flopped in a preview screening. Uh, MGM leader Irving Thalberg decided that the problem was that the audiences just didn't want to see Morgan have an affair with a married woman, so they rewrote the script to make them brother and sister, and then the film became a major hit. So uh, that's honestly better. Yeah, I, think. I fully agree. Yeah, go Irving. 
Um, another smaller fun fact is uh, uh, Hal Roach, who produced his own comedies but released them through MGM. He made an agreement with MGM that allowed him to use the prison set from this film for a Laurel and Hardy short. Um, but as they were planning it, MGM was suddenly like, well, if you're going to use this set, then also we want Laurel and Hardy to make a movie for us. And Roach was like, no. So he decided to build his own prison set instead. Um, but <laughs> that was so expensive that they made the short into a feature-length film to recoup oh the cost, which was which ended up becoming the first feature Laurel and Hardy film ever because they, oh they, they had to to get the costs going for it. That's... <laughs> They ended up there anyway. They really did. Okay, now, here's my big fun fact. Um, Mm -hmm. Wallace Beery, uh, the man who played Butch. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, before we do this, there is one more fun fact. The foreign language (laughs) versions. There was three made of these. These were actual foreign language versions. So there was the same sets, but different actors. Um, There was the French one, Révolte dans la prison, which just means revolution in the prison. Yeah. (laughs) Then uh, Spanish El Presidio, which I presume just means the prison. Um, mm-hmm. And the German language one called Menschen hinter Gittern, which is just men behind bars. Um, huh. None of these really reached any massive acclaim. But uh, th- yeah, all of all of them were made. So All of them were made. All I, of them I were made. I would assume they did not make their money back. but Oh, almost certainly not. But <laughs> sadly, this is not information... I have available. Okay, so Wallace Beery, who played Butch. Mm-hmm. Incredibly fascinating. This guy was super not supposed to play Butch originally. Uh, <laughs> the role was supposed to go to, and I want to get his name right, Lon Chaney. Uh, now, Lon Chaney was um, an American actor, a makeup artist. He was known for like his starring roles in horror films, silent horror films, uh, it, like The Hunchback or The Phantom. Uh, he did all these very spooky things, and they were originally going to get him to play Butch, but sadly, this man had m- just like th- so much cancer, like all of the cancer. Um, oh. Yes, and by the time that they were supposed to start filming this, the cancer was so bad that he couldn't do it anymore. So Wallace Beery no. was cast in this. Now Wallace Beery was originally dropped. He was uh, a top supporting actor and quite a frequent leading man in silent movies. Um, mm-hmm. But after his successful voice test, uh, Paramount, this previous studio, dropped him. They were just like, nah, we're not doing this. Then Francis Marion, the writer for this, uh, was passing through the MGM ca- canteen one afternoon and she spotted Wallace ferociously attacking a plate of spaghetti. And this convinced her that he would be ideal for the part of Butch. So they cast <laughs> him. Um <laughs> And it relaunched his career. And oh when I say God. relaunched, I mean re-fucking-launched. This guy, this movie was such a big hit that this guy got immediately Academy Award nominated for Best Actor. <laughs> won the Academy Award nomination for Best Actor the year oh afterwards. God. And within two years became the world's highest paid actor. Oh my god. Thank Which, you, Mr. Spaghetti. <laughs> that plate of spaghetti, man. I would have... I Spaghetti would have been the food of my life after yeah, that. Yeah, only thing I'd eat, you know. For Jesus, real. Like, that's amazing. Incredible. Um, so yeah. That was a very good fun fact. Thank you. I, I really like this fun fact as well. 
there's another really really small one which is uh it was actually inspired by a series of prison riots in 1929 actual real prison oh, riots uh, I see. yeah george hill wrote a seven, 27 page story treatment called the reign of terror a story of crime and punishment and irving thalberg was like yeah sounds good so he assigned marion onto the project <laughs> interesting I did think it was kind of a little bit reminiscent of Shawshank Redemption. Maybe that's just because I haven't seen that many prison movies, so any prison movie just looks like each other. But it's, more... it's also just because every prison movie looks like each other. There's, there's, yeah, yeah, maybe that's why. But yeah, just kind of the vibes of them, you know, being outside, looking at for ways to kind of leave. I guess um, they even mention like, oh, maybe we should shovel our way outside, and they're like, oh, but where would you leave? Where would you leave all of the? All of the sand, rubble that comes yeah. from that, which yeah, is a good question. It, it is. It's a. I think it's a really. It's a really interesting look at like the 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 start of the prison movie genre, really. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I I guess next movie. I guess next movie, which is uh, Disraeli. I think it is. I had them yeah. the wrong way around in my notes, but yes, it is. <laughs> it is indeed Disraeli. I. <laughs> Oh, Disraeli. Yeah, okay. I'm glad that you have the same general opinion. I... Can I... Can I... I hated this movie. I couldn't stand Disraeli. I want to quickly quickly summarize. Disraeli is about um, uh, British Prime Minister uh, Disraeli, Benjamin Disraeli. Um, Mm -hmm. And the story is about the British plan to buy the Suez Canal, which is going to allow them to conquer India. And oh my god, it's a fucking drag. It's such a drag. It could have been done in 10 minutes, I swear to god. It could have been done in 10 minutes, but there's like... What was the point? Oh my god, it goes on for so long. Because it's like, there's espionage, and there's like double crosses. You don't see any of that. You don't... Well, you see the double crosses a little bit, maybe. But the whole espionage is... It's it's just talked about, yeah. It's so boring <laughs> so fucking boring but apparently people disagreed because it did receive three academy award nominations no yep i just i just i just didn't i it was so hard to get through this one i really struggled i just did not like it it just same i couldn't stand this one i have a bunch of notes go because, go through them you know um well first of all cinematography wise this was i think the worst one i've seen in the entire like first three years that we've done so far i there agree are just shots of like the upper parts of the heads are just not in the sh- like they just it just yes. cuts off really weirdly i very early on there's a like a tilt where you can see it went wrong like the whole the mm-hmm. whole tilt just yep. kind of goes wrong it's just it, like it it uh it's just i know i do think it's important to note here um this movie again was lost for a bit uh it only survives in its 1934 (laughs) re-release form and the Uh re-release was an interesting one because it was converted from original sound on disc technology to sound on film Mm -hmm. so to provide space for the soundtrack they had to crop the image so it was cropped on the left and the top side uh, that makes sense. Yeah, except for the opening credit sequence and end title, which were just replaced and therefore are centered. Um, and also ah. about three minutes of pre-code footage were cut from the film because by 1934, mm. the Hayes Code was in effect, so they had to cut that shit for a release. Yeah. Um, and those three minutes are believed to be lost. No one, no one really knows what's um, right. what's in those. So that's that's why it's slightly fucked, why, but okay. it still wouldn't have... It's still, you know, not good. Still not good. I mean, this tilt remains, and just in general, I didn't think... 
all the choices were very interesting. Like it, it almost feels a bit of a play every time they're in Disraeli's room. Yeah, they just take it from one side, and that's the only side you get to see. Like it's, it's, it. Yeah, it almost reads a bit as a play. Very uninteresting in this case, I would say. Yeah, um, this scans. Well, but that does make sense why some of the heads were cut off really weirdly. Like they, you would just not see parts, mm-hmm. like the upper part of the head, which yeah, it's a bit weird. But yeah, it is interesting to me that you say um, it was like a play because, as you might might guess, it was indeed it adapted. was based on a play. Yes, um, yeah. the, the whole I essentially the whole like production of this movie is its fun fact. So if you have any notes, let's go do those first. Yeah, I have I have some more notes. Um, I have Slay Classandria, who turned out to actually be called Clarissa, but I could not remember any we names love because Clasandria. I did not care for I did not care for the character, so I put Slay Classandria, Queen, turn him down, because basically, the kind of subplot subplot I guess is that this really wants to take this certain guy on as an apprentice, and he wants. Clarissa to marry him I don't really get it is Clarissa his daughter is Israeli's daughter or like who is no Clarissa's just just a person just a a girly I don't know he Israeli ships the guy and and Clarissa I think his name is Charles so Charles and Clarissa yeah but basically Charles is very stuck up like he He is very serious and he sucks as a character as well and he tries to he asks for Clarissa's hand in marriage, and she's like, no, you don't have anything going on in your life. I want a man that can work, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, and I just like that, but it was kind of all for nothing, because after he's got a job for one day as the Israeli's apprentice, she is super in love with him. Yep, um, yep. <laughs> I, it, I had queen behavior of her. Imagine having standards. Then I have, what kind of name is Probert? Someone is called Probert, and at this point I was so annoyed at the movie that that annoyed me as well. Understandably so, yeah. This, I, I, I should note, this was an actual man's name. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Probert. I'm so, I'm so sorry, sorry, Lord Probert, yeah. <laughs> um, then I just put, Disraeli's hair angers me. You mm, have to understand, yeah. I don't know what they did to this man, but his hair is the most off. It's so hard to look at, and you have to look at it for one and a half hours. Yeah. But they just, they have just like this one piece of hair on his forehead, and they just like glued it to his forehead. And it's, it, it's oh, horrendous. Like yeah. it's one curl that they glued onto his forehead. It's so ugly. Actual Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli usually wore a hat. I presume this is why. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I put that it's kind of cool. The the spy person is kind of a woman. Well, it's it's a couple. It's a couple, like, it's, yeah. But I do like that she's the main spy. Yeah, yeah. which I like. I like, like that at a least lot. there is one woman whose purpose is more than just being fallen in love with. Yeah. And then lastly, I had at the end, they suddenly throw in... Well, not very suddenly. It's kind of... It is led to i suppose like they they started somewhere mid uh mid film where the wife of this really starts getting a little sick and towards the end she is very sick and mm. she is kind of on her deathbed but Until... this really has won the entire thing like the entire yeah. battle for the suez canal so he has to go to this kind of gala thing he, where he the gets queen to meet the queen and suddenly yeah. his wife is no longer sick because she's... and he's like 
Yeah, yeah, like that's the thing. Suddenly, she, what was the whole point of the wife being sick? That added absolutely nothing. No, it didn't. No. Like it was, she was sick and the Israeli was like, I don't know if I should go to the gala. I really don't want to go because I only want to do it with my wife. And then they hand him this note very dramatically where everyone assumes it will say on there like your wife is dead. But then instead, it's it, it, she appears from behind and she's like, the doctor gave you a note, right? I'm alive. I'm good. Let's celebrate. I'm like, what's the point? What's the fucking yep, point? Yep. I hated it. Yep, um, it's, uh, yeah. All right. As for screenshots, I have just a random guy at the start of the movie that is, I think, talking about Israeli. And um, he says, our friend here says nothing. That's about someone in the mm-hmm. crowd, but like they're talking about the Israeli. Yeah. And someone, I think, defends the Israeli, so he goes. Our friend here says nothing. He must be blind, deaf, and dumb, as well as intoxicated. Holy and shit. Imagine having an opinion. People in the fucking 20s were brutal, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then I have the Israeli's wife goes to the Israeli and says, Dizzy, you're worrying something uh, about something. To which the Israeli says, no, no, my dear. I sometimes think, but I never worry. Which, I, I'll give the movie some credit. That was, that was that's cool. Good. That's I cool. like that's that. That's a nice sentence. <laughs> um, the Israeli's wife saying, if something would only happen to Charles to make him human, which is a... The, even Holy the writers knew it. They shit. knew they had a shit character on their hands. I don't understand. Uh, uh, the Israeli saying, a man who never makes jokes is a standing joke to the world. Goddamn right. Treat, treat, humor, treat life you know? with some humor, man. Yeah. <laughs> me. Literally me. Someone asks Charles, why not? And Charles goes, because I'm a useless, conceited idler and a perfect and complete fool. <laughs> Fucking me. Man's Holy having some shit. issues. <laughs> Holy, that's um, literally me. <laughs> but yeah, that that's all. That's all for this, really. <laughs> oh, I love those. Those are really good. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Mr. George Arliss, who played Disraeli, is sort of like... Disraeli is his shit, right? He's really into this. Um, It was originally a play, and George Arliss was... He starred in the play. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. he starred in the play twice, even. I think they did the play, and then they did a revival of the play. And then someone did a movie about the play. But they didn't cast George Arliss... And he was so fucking pissed off by this that he bought the film rights and did it himself. Uh, So he made it into a silent film in 1921 uh, in which he starred as Mr. Disraeli. Uh, And then talkies became a thing. So he did it again. Just made the movie again. But with sound this time. (laughs) And look... I there's something to be said about the like I the admire the, the commitment right the dedication yeah but also dude go do something Stop else it. just chill. yeah um yeah no this guy was so super into it uh the Miss, Mr Disraeli's wife was played by George Arliss's wife uh Florence Florence Arliss mm-hmm. um she was an actress I hesitate in saying that, not because I don't, you know, I, I'm not trying to downplay her achievements, but in every single movie she was in, she played George Arliss's character's wife. <laughs> so. Oh, God. I mean, you know, she uh, <laughs> she had a, had a typecast, I suppose. Mm. 
Um, which might be why she's, you know, gotten the, this big subplot is because Mr. Arliss, you know, wanted to give his wife some interesting things to work with, which I can understand. Cute, I would, do, I would do the same thing. That's kind of cute. Yeah. But... Yeah. Um, it's a fascinating movie, this, because it's not entirely accurate. Um, the, the A lot of it is Hollywood fabrications. Uh, one of the most interesting ones is the fact that uh, Hugh Myers, the financier who funds the purchase of the Suez Canal and just go bankrupt just as they're closing the transaction. That's uh, bullshit. The character and the plot twist are completely fictional uh, because mm. the real-life backer was called Lionel de Rothschild, who was a famous English-Jewish banker who never suffered bankruptcy, but they changed his name because uh, the Rothschild family would not allow the implication yeah. of financial disaster, even as fictional ploy, which makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's so most of the movie is just genuine bullshit. Of course it is. Uh, yes. I, I'm just not a fan. I'm just no. not a fan, and that made it worse. Well, the oh, worst no. thing about it, right, is that this movie was very well received, and oh. like genuinely very well received in the sense that Mister <laughs> Mister Arliss so incredibly into Disraeli, um, he filmed and completed a movie before this called The Green Goddess in 1929 um, mm -hmm. but he told the studio to hold it out of release until this movie had debuted because he felt that this film was a better vehicle for his first talkie oh my god <laughs> I mean fair fair shouts to him it worked because he got an Academy Award nomination yep. and he won for best actor um, he did. He oh, won the best God. actor one. It made him the first British actor to win, the first actor to win for a remake, uh, and the first to win for reprising a role he had played previously, which is impressive. But also, holy fuck, dude! I did not even like it. for as much as his thing is being Disraeli. I didn't even like him that much. Like, I don't, wouldn't yeah. say he was bad, but I don't think he was exceptional either. I mean, to be fair, we don't like we don't know Disraeli, right? We've never seen yeah, this man, true, so true. maybe this is so ridiculously accurate that it's yeah. super impressive. True, um, true, true. I mean, funnily enough, though, uh, The Green Goddess, the movie that he decided to postpone until this one was out, he also got a Best Actor nomination for that. He was nominated for Disraeli oh. and The Green Goddess. So... Um, Props to him. Props to him. He, he he was apparently really good, but uh, this movie was not it. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's move on. Let's move on to divorcee. The, the divorcee. Oh uh, wait, I need to think which one it is because I, the last two the were divorcee pretty similar. Is the one where they both cheat on each other. Oh no. Yes. I. Oh okay. no. I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I quite like this one. Okay, okay, okay. The divorcee okay. is about uh so it's 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 a it's a, a, a four people Ted, Jerry, Paul and Dorothy. Um and they're just chilling, they're partying, it's all good. Um and Ted decides to marry Jerry. Jerry is a woman. Uh, and mm -hmm. um Paul, who is in love with Jerry, is distraught by this, gets super drunk, drives them home. They get into a car accident. There's our second drunk driving accident. Um mm -hmm. and Dorothy is horribly disfigured by it. We the the way they decide to show this in the movie is that she just whenever she's on screen she just has a veil over her head, which is mm -hmm. super traumatic. But I do dig it. Yeah, um, same. So out of guilt, Paul then marries Dorothy, uh, and that's that's our two main couples. Now three years later, Ted cheats on Jerry, 
and she's kind of pissed off about that and Ted's like oh it's, it didn't mean anything you be chill about it and he goes on a business trip for like a week and then Jerry sleeps with one of their friends and Ted comes back and is like hey what the fuck and she's like oh yeah no I also you know cheated on you and Ted fucking flips his shit. Jerry's like, you know, it means nothing. And he's like, no, it's ridiculous. Do you care so little Who about is me? it? Who is it? Yeah. Who is it? <laughs> flips his shit. And she's like, hey, that's kind of hypocritical. Go fuck yourself. And then this is very interesting. Sort of, you know, it's a very interesting look. Because his life sort of goes, d- spirals downwards. And she seems to be doing all right. She's not entirely happy, but she's chilling. She's just having her... Have, she's yeah. vibing, she's having a, a time. She seems unhappy, but she is successful in the sense of, you know, she's a businesswoman. And... Yeah, and also she's, you know, she's she does seem unhappy, but it's very much just implied that she's like, you know, she hasn't quite found the one yet, and she's sort of yeah. disillusioned with marriage, but it's not that, you know, she's doing anything wrong necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they really lean into her finding happiness with this other dude, and then with, you know... With Paul, actually. With Paul, actually, yeah. Um, because Paul's like, there's no love between me and Dorothy. We don't really like each other. But, you know, I'd be setting her free, she'd be setting me free. Um... But then at the end, Dorothy comes in and is like, well, actually, I, I, I'm not super chill with you taking my husband from me because I, <laughs> you know, I would have literally nothing left. And mm. this is when Jerry, for some ungodly reason, realizes, oh, yeah, no, you're right. Actually, I should I should go back to Ted. <sighs> yeah. The f- yep. An hour and 20 minutes of this movie being a really interesting character study and then her going, oh, the guy who cheated on me, I'm going to go back to him because I love him so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. And the last 10 minutes really fucked this up for me. Yep, same. What was that? I what don't know. Was that? I don't know. I really I... liked this movie up until that. I mean, I think what they were going for is just like true love. You yeah, know, but then don't have them cheat anything. on each other in the first half hour. Oh my god, and then also just, I don't know, it's just baffling to me. Yeah, Cheating is I... just such a, a non-forgivable for me, right? That's just, it's, there's, mm. it's, we're done. We're done if you're cheating. So there's no sense in that, especially three years later after not having talked to each other for ages. Yeah, and also just kind of this idea of he got so upset, even though yeah. with her, she, he was like, no, it's nothing. I yeah. cheated, but it's fine. And, and then he got like super angry when she did it, which is like both of them did wrong. Don't get like, it's not like mm-hmm. she was justified in what she did just because he did it too. No, no, no. Absolutely but still, not, it's but... a bit of a weird response from him. I, I, did, from... I, I really liked that because I think I feel like the movie at first was very much trying to be like, hey, this guy is a fucking hypocrite. This is why they're breaking up. Not because, you know she's been bad but because he's an asshole about the whole thing but then they completely undo that in the last 10 minutes and that immediately has me wondering like well okay was did did i interpret it correctly did are we supposed to think he is a hypocrite or was this just the movie going oh no he's rightfully upset because she cheated on him because i don't know it's just it seems for so long like, it seems for so long like it's just trying to say... it's. It seems for so long like the movie is anti-cheating, but then yeah. in the end, it's just um, pro-marriage. Yeah, that's that's exactly... You've got it's it. Yeah, that, bang on. Um, I, I literally, in my notes, I have bonus points for having divorce as a, a valid solution, followed by, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just... Um, 
I, I enjoyed watching it, but the end just kind of ruined it. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, even up until that point, I thought it was interesting, but it dragged a little bit at places, mostly the whole part where they kind of showed them after they had, you know, yeah. divorced. I agree. I think the lead up to the divorce was very interesting and the mm-hmm. eventual yeah. fallout was interesting. I think the bit in the middle was a bit... Mm. Yeah, the bit in the middle was a little bit... Eh. Also, it seemed for really long, um, the accident seemed to have no meaning, which it did at, in I the end. I have this in so... my notes as well. Yeah. Because yeah, Dorothy vanishes from the movie until like the final 20 minutes. And I was yeah. just like, oh, he drunk drove. He horribly and permanently disfigured a woman's face, leaving her in eternal depression. And it's never mentioned again. Until, yeah, like... that's very much what it seemed yeah. like. And it's good that they came back to it. Maybe it would have been good to put something in the middle there to kind of remind, like, yeah, I like, don't know. Make just... a little note of it in the middle, right? Like, yeah. just mention her every now and again. But it's just... Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, interesting to note is that Ted is played by Chester Morris again. Yeah, Ted is This Ted man is, is everywhere. He's everywhere. This we love Chester everywhere. Morris. I'm actually, I'm re- I do like Chester Morris. I think he's a very strong actor. Yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying him greatly in these things. I do have to say he has kind of this bad guy look about him. So he every does. time he plays like a, a, a sort of a bad guy or bad person, it comes across better, which I don't yep. know if that's a good thing, but it's, it's good for his acting. It's good for, for sure. his acting, definitely. But um, yeah, then I, I also, in my notes, I put, why do I doubt they'll stay married? It's because of the title. Yeah, um, yeah, this this scans, yeah. <laughs> Mm, oh, and also another actor that we recognize is Kent from the Big House. Is yeah, he's um, in this as well. Ted's best friend in Ted's this. Ted's best friend he's Don. Actually, yeah. the guy that Jerry cheats with. So. Yeah, I I really liked the uh, the when when so they've cheated and Don calls her up to be like, hey, don't tell Ted about this because he's gonna mm-hmm. fucking hate me. And she goes, I can't promise you that. He hangs up the phone and immediately <laughs> to his butler goes. Uh, when's the next ship leaving? And his butler goes, to where? And he goes, fucking anywhere. I need to leave. <laughs> it's so fucking good. And it's also like, after the time skip, three years later, only then he's returned. And yep. he's, he's like, he has now made a whole em- Imperium somewhere else. He's yeah, rich, he's just and like... He, he's just, he's left and he also, <laughs> never like, came he, back. He comes back in and he's talking to his, like, his, his, his old best friend, Ted. And Ted is like... Yeah, if I ever meet the man who Jerry cheated on me with, I'm gonna kill him. And Don is like, "Yeah, yeah you should. Good luck now. with that, buddy. I'll <laughs> catch up to you later. Bye bye." <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> yeah, the character um, interactions is really good. I have one one screenshot, um, which is I think it's the night after Jerry finds out that Ted cheated on her, and she mm-hmm. goes away with um with Don. And she's like, he's like, where do you want to go? And she's like, I just don't want to be here. And he goes, okay, th- that's fine. Plenty of places to go and lots of things to do. We'll, we'll go all the places and do all the things. Which I thought was a really... Yeah, <laughs> really I like Don as a character. Well, not not very good on him. Not not a very good char- person, in a sense. No, not know? a good person. But as a character, I thought he was really As a character, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, some more notes Stop whistling when things get uncomfortable. Thanks. Because every time multiple characters do this in this movie, but for example, yeah. when Jerry and Ted are arguing and Jerry says something, like even asks a question or says something to which Ted is supposed to respond, if Ted doesn't know how to respond, he just, starts he just whistling. whistles. Yep. He just whistles a song and she's just there like, hello, bitch. Dude, <laughs> what the fuck? It's really uncomfortable. It happens several times. Yeah. Yeah, no, it does. 
And then I put, okay, Ted, little manipulative bitch. <laughs> I was very upset. Rightfully so. Ted's an asshole. Uh, and then finally I put, is this like anti-divorce propaganda? They both cheated. They should have divorced what? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, some screenshots, some quotes, if you will. Mm-hmm. Come on, Dot, put more oomph into it. Which just... <laughs> yep. Was that the, the beginning <laughs> scene? Yeah, I which really was interesting, liked by the, the way. Scene. The first scene was like all of the friends kind of in a cabin. Yeah. The, I liked the beginning scene, but it also very much confused me because there are many, many people there. Yeah, and, and only four of them are relevant. It's kind of hard to tell who is important and who isn't. So in yeah. the first bit, I thought I had to pay attention to everyone. And it turns out that half of them will never come back and are not important. Yeah, me, but, me too. I thought this was going to be like a big ensemble movie. And then like just the yeah. four characters who get into the car end up being yeah same i also really like just completely separately i really liked that one scene where there's a sudden italian guy Mm, wait where was that when uh they're about to see ted off on his big business trip and they come to announce the engagement and there's there's a guy i'm not sure if he's actually italian or one of their friends pretending to be italian but he's got like right 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 him (laughs) just wanders in does italian things and then walks out of the movie never to be seen again but i really enjoyed him gotta have gotta have him you know (laughs) oh that was all actually it was just not that many quotes wow okay sick Fun facts. Fun facts. I do indeed have some fun fun facts. facts. Yes. Um, So first of all, Norma Shearer won Best Actress for this. I think that's deserved. I think she did a really good job. Yeah, I liked her. Um, Secondly, it's based on a novel. It's based on the novel Ex-Wife by Ursula Parrott. Um, Mm. Now, this book was considered scandalous in its time uh, because it explored changing sexual mores and their implications for women Mm. however uh, after this book was a bestseller uh, Miss Parrot sold the rights to eight more novels and stories that she wrote so she great stuff people love some fucking depravity Um, because they didn't want to be associated with the book though because it was very racy Uh, they didn't credit it directly they changed the title obviously from ex-wife to the divorcee uh, and the screen credit simply reads based on a novel by Ursula Parrot uh, mm. Yeah, smart. Um, shooting for this movie wrapped in only twenty-two days, and surprisingly for MGM at the time, there was zero retakes. This was pretty much a, for all intents and purposes, pretty much a one-shot, which is very oh. impressive. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, I'm just checking if I have something else before I go to the big one. <laughs> yeah, I no. feel like every time I feel like it's like christmas eve and i'm waiting for like the big present oh yeah. oh but this is the big present because uh, <laughs> there's some drama here and joan crawford is involved uh, how uh, of course she's involved if there's drama <laughs> are you okay. ready for this i so, am ready for this originally norma shearer was not uh gonna be the lead in this movie because mm-hmm. norma shearer was a very uh, she, primarily she was playing very proper ladylike roles um, mm-hmm. and she really wanted to change her image and do some parts that were way more sensuous so mm-hmm. she launched a campaign to get the part of Jerry now originally the part of Jerry was going to go to Joan Crawford mm-hmm. because people didn't think that Norma Shearer had enough uh, sex appeal and by people I mean Irving Thalberg who is, you know, the lead producer at MGM and mm-hmm. also Norma Shearer's husband. 
Oh. Yes. He did not think she was sexy enough to, to do this. Oh, no. Yes. She managed to convince him, though, um, because she did a photo shoot with her posing provocatively in lingerie. She gave these pictures to her husband, after which Thalberg suddenly agreed to cast her. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I... You know what? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yep. Uh, I mean, it was a good choice. She she very clearly... She won Best Actress. She did good. Hmm. Um, but Joan Crawford, apparently, uh, it did not sit well with her. No, she was very wasn't. outspoken as to how often the roles that she wanted at MGM were given to Norma instead. And when approached for comment by the press, she very famously remarked, What do you expect? She's sleeping with the boss. <laughs> um reportedly it's Crawford true. never forgave Shearer for, for losing mm. this role, which I think is incredibly interesting. Oh my god, so many so many thoughts, so many mm-hmm. angles. <laughs> so many thoughts and angles indeed. Uh yeah, Norma Shearer's career really took off after this. Um she she was the first she ended up being the first five time Academy Award acting nominee. Uh, so okay. Shira was actually really, really good. Good at what she did. Yeah. Yeah. It's just also the, the, you know, the unfortunate coincidence that her husband was lead producer at MGM. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I you... always think it's interesting when Joan Crawford is involved because I know most things I know about her come from Mommy Dearest. Um, the scans, which is, you know, interesting, but. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll come around to that. I'm sure we'll find a best picture movie where which she is in. Well, we had the review last last this time. This is true. But that's um, not she... <laughs> just a quick little separate Joan Crawford fact. No one knows what year she was born in. <laughs> she she was she died in 1977, somewhere between the ages of 69 and 73. We'd oh <laughs> yeah, you know, gotta keep the mystery in there. Exactly. Got to keep it keep it funky, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and another small fun fact about Norma Shearer: you might uh, you might have seen her portrayed by um, Jesse Cohen in everyone's favorite movie, Mank. I probably did see her in Mank, but I did not like Mank very much, and I do remember anything yeah. about. No, that. fuck, fuck Mank. <laughs> well, we'll get around to it. We'll have to oh, rewatch it in like uh, seven years. <laughs> can't wait. Yeah. So yeah, uh that was the divorcee. Yeah, which leaves um Love Parade. Love Parade. I really liked 90% of the Love Parade. <laughs> the last 10 minutes um, again. Yep, the end it's a theme. We have a theme. We do have a uh, theme. Don't watch the end. Yeah, just, just stop like 10 minutes in stop advance. Stop like yep. <laughs> So the Love Parade is about uh, a count, a military attaché, uh, who is doing some some freaky shit in Paris. He's having some some sexy waxies, um, and he is ordered back to Sylvania. He's he's they're, they're like, no, you're done. You're done fucking around in Paris. You're going home, um, and he's supposed to go meet the queen, who will punish him for his you know misbehavior. The mm-hmm. queen, however, is having some trouble finding. Uh, a husband she doesn't necessarily want to find a husband but everyone wants her to find a husband um yeah but it's a bit difficult because they wouldn't become king they would only become prince consort which is like you know the the slightly less important title mm-hmm. so guy comes in she wants to, she goes to punish him but they sort of immediately 
there's this spark, right? They are infatuated with each other and it's actually they are in love genuinely this got me i really like mm. them they were really good together they very clearly just have both of both have this sort of mischievous edge of like we don't mm. care about our stations we just care about each other it's it was mm. this was one of those whirlwind romances that i thought was done really really well where i was mm. i believed that these people were instantly in love um so yeah after a while they decide to go get married and this is when the movie does a very interesting thing. They make this super cool military man the housewife. Because the queen yep. has to do her queen shit. And he becomes sort of like, you know, he gets carted around and like, you you don't have to do anything. You're just going to sit around all day, do nothing and just chill. And he is mm-hmm. bored out of his mind. And I thought this was such an interesting role reversal, especially oh, for the 1920s. Where for I was like, real. Yeah, it was such an interesting look at that. Um, and he gets rid he's he's so upset by this and he's like let Mm. me fucking do something and she's like no uh there's one point where they're dealing with like finances and stuff and he's like listen i have had weeks of dead boring days to figure this out and i have the expertise here is my like proposal that's gonna fix the whole problem and they pretty much pass it around and pass it right back to him and go sorry we're not gonna take it from the prince consort you're supposed to be sit sitting there and doing nothing and this Mm -hmm. freaks him out so much that he's like you know what fuck it we're getting divorced i love you genuinely but there's no point to this i'm not having a good life i'm going back to paris um it's been a month at this point yeah it's been like a month definitely um so there's a there's a a thing that he needs to be at because otherwise they're not getting funding for something the opera the opera yeah um and he originally is like i'm not gonna be there but then he does show up and he's like, well, you know, I, I care about you enough. I'm not going to just ruin your entire life and reputation, but I am not staying in this. And after this, we are getting divorced. And I thought, again, that was a really interesting take of mm-hmm. like, may, you know, sometimes if you're not happy, divorce can be a valid solution. But then the last 10 minutes, the queen spends crying her eyes out. She goes into his room and she's like, what if we make you king and I become the housewife? And he's like, yeah, it that sounds good. We'll stay married. And fuck, man! It's so upsetting. I di- I this one had me more upset than the uh, the ending of the Same. divorce scene. This one had because me so pissed. This seemed it seemed so anti-sexism until it completely wasn't. The first half of the movie was genuinely. I watched this with glee. I was instantly invested. The musical numbers were really fucking good. Yeah, the chemistry like between musical, the main characters so. was fucking palpable. It was hilarious i i genuinely laughed out loud multiple times at this movie it's so good and then the last 10 minutes just throw it out smashes everything it's so upsetting completely and i get it for like 1929 standards of course no but no no it's so awful like it was really making a point until it wasn't well it was still making a point just the wrong one it's yeah I, I would this is the, the because this movie ha, had it not been for the last 10 minutes I would have heartily recommended this movie. I might have even put this movie above wings because this movie for me was just this it was so human and I loved it mm. so fucking much and then these last 10 minutes just out of the way. Yeah, like I didn't love it as much as you did I think, but I did like I think the first part of my notes like three notes in I was already like I love this movie. Yeah, it's so it's same. so funny like it's kind of it's so funny it's not a comedy but it has a lot of like i think the first half definitely classifies as a comedy and then Fair. there's like the second act where it turns serious but still yeah yeah true even then it still manages to be slightly funny 
Yeah, it's just it's really really uh, interesting. I really um, like the bit at the beginning where because the French guy is like singing about leaving Paris and his butler is coming with him, so he's singing about leaving Paris. And then the dog gets a solo where he sings to the yes! other dogs about leaving yes! Paris. It's so fucking. It was good. amazing. I just have this screenshot that just goes barks. Oh my god, amazing! <laughs> yeah. It's just it's 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 it was really good. It was also just interesting. The whole part of like the the man having to sit there and do nothing was just yeah i i have a few notes on this um mm-hmm. i really first. liked the physical comedy especially the dance numbers like the let's be common where it's the butler and the the handmaid who are having mm-hmm. this little romantic thing between them mm-hmm. the, their numbers consistently the physical movement in that was so good mm-hmm. yeah like th- this this is stuff that we don't do anymore in movies and it it's so sad because that was mm-hmm. genuinely the most entertaining musical dance number I think I've seen <laughs> in, in a while. Um I also really liked when the when the, the, the uh army guy and the queen are on their first date. We don't see the date. We see the uh oh. the the, mm-hmm. the the butler and the handmaid. We see the uh, queen's sort of servants and we see the the people trying to get her a husband and these three groups are narrating the date from their own perspective and that's yeah. how we are informed of what's happening wait let me just grab my screenshots of it because it's really funny how they narrate it as well yeah i have they... one screenshot from this scene as well which mm-hmm. is when um they're like would he even if he likes her would he be like eligible and one of them goes his grandfather was the illegitimate bastard child of one king and his grandmother the sweetheart of another to which one of the other men goes, I had no idea he came from such a distinguished family. It's, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> so good. But just in general, when they're watching that whole date go down, they they really put it like, they sit down. And then they say it as if it's like this super interesting thing where everybody needs to know they yeah. sat down. It's like, they sit down. And then, like, the maids go, they are seated. <laughs> and it's so like, good. Like, one, one woman looking through the doorknob goes, she smiles at him. <laughs> he it's... smiles at her. <laughs> and yet, they both smile. <laughs> and yet, this is the most fucking intriguing. Like, I was sat there going, yes, handmaids, tell me about what's happening. Yes, I, I need to I know. know. It's so good. And she goes, like, they both smile at each other. At each other. And they are st- all start yeah. murmuring. <laughs> she is laughing. That's the way they always start. The lackey is bringing in champagne. Now they are clinking glasses. Like, it's so good. It was so good. I really liked it. Again, I would recommend this movie, if not for the last 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah I think yeah, if you yeah, can yeah, get yeah. past that, I would. I definitely would recommend this movie today. Even I. I think the musical numbers and the physical comedy for the first act make up for for. Yeah. How shit the last ten minutes are. Do you have any other notes? I don't have any other notes besides you know, again, last ten minutes sucked. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I have a lot of them, but Ooh. we can probably cut something out later. I'll probably cut something out later. Them, run, run through. Um. <laughs> I don't know why I was so angry watching these movies this year. Maybe because I didn't like all of them that much, but I went... Um, well, if you're bored, go find something to do yourself, little bitch boy. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. I, I Here I go again. Um, I mean, the point of the movie as well is he's not allowed to do anything. Yeah, true, true. I don't know. This poor man just, is locked inside his room and you go, I well, go entertain yourself, you bastard. Um... um then at some point in the movie they 
they have this thing which I think was supposed to be a mirror, like during the op- uh, opera, and the queen grabs this mirror through which she sees one of the ministers from Afghanistan. He is kind of this mm-hmm. subplot that we also have going yeah. on, but it's supposed to be a mirror. It's it's a still very image. clearly it's a picture, is yep. it just a picture put into something that looks like a mirror? Like it's so obvious and it's, it's so kind obvious. of funny. It's so weird because it looks like she just picks up a picture, for, like that she has held on longingly. Yeah, she's to, just carrying like, a picture of, of the Afghanistan prime of Afghanistan. minister. Yeah. Um, okay, I also have screenshots. This was just a, this was a really interesting movie to mm. take notes on and oh yeah, no, the, the screenshots, screenshots because the, there's like the dialogue is really stuff. fucking funny in this. Yeah, movie. exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, a lot of them were, the, were that one conversation, but um, well, here it stars. This one is actually not that funny. It's just kind of sad. But basically, Maurice tells his butler like, "Oh yeah, I'll bring you along to my country because mm-hmm. you know you want to." That's for th- and and the butler goes, "Oh thank you, thank you, Monsieur. I am so happy." And the butler leaves, and Maurice just goes, "I am not." Yeah, which is I... so sad. It was so sad. <laughs> this is at some point the guys are kind of like the guys trying to find the queen a husband are trying to tell her like how hard it is and and she's like showing off her leg at some point she's like look at my leg though like look at my leg yeah she's like there's "There's... only one more leg like this in the whole country and it's this one it's like it's my other leg (laughs) so good i also really like that um as soon as she's done showing her legs this one guy from the back of the crowd creeps up and goes i didn't see them (laughs) that's true yeah um yeah, that w- that was it. That was it. Um, nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, any fun facts, or is this a factless? No, this is not a factless movie. This is there's loads of fun facts on this one. Um, one of my first fun facts that I want to quickly note is that this movie is uh, this year's, and in fact, so far entirely the most nominated movie. Mm. Yeah, this one takes the uh, takes the the, uh, the 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 record. It has six Oscar nominations. Damn. Yeah. Funnily enough, it is the only Best Picture Oscar nominee this year to not be nominated in any of the writing categories. <laughs> what? I would have never. The, the, what? <laughs> I also do not understand because the <laughs> this writing really was over s- this. Exactly. Yeah. No, I strongly agree. Um. Fucking, fucking, you know, it's horrible, horrible. It was, it, it, it was so good. The writing was so good. Well, yeah, until the, I guess they did ruin it. So Yeah. Um, this was the director's first film with sound, um, mm. but he very much immediately tried to sort of push the medium and the techniques because uh, this is one scene where uh, the two couples are singing the same song, but like alternatively, right? It's mm-hmm. It's them sort of like alternating. The way that they do this, they built two sets, had two cameras, and an off-camera orchestra between them, and mm-hmm. then he directed both of these scenes at the same time, which in editing just allowed him to cut back and forth. Which oh my god, yeah, never done before. This that was that was revolutionary. So this guy, fucking phenomenal. yeah, nice. I I love it when they when people like try out new stuff and you you get you get this. I mean that makes sense. It's kind of a no-brainer but still i i just like it when people are inventive and, and yeah you know well an interesting one about this director as well is that this is the same guy who directed uh last month's the patriot which we couldn't watch but uh ah. yeah now we have seen at least 
one of his works. <laughs> yeah, uh, we we might go and watch another one of these uh, mm. because he directed another one, but I'm not sure if that was a Best Picture nominee or just a, a Best Director Oscar. nominee. Right. But he he did make another uh, very like he did make another Oscar nominated movie which is called Heaven mm-hmm. Can Wait. But that's not until 1943, so we have a, a little while. Ago. We have some time. Um, it's very interesting to me that you didn't really see the chemistry between the lead couple, um, mm-hmm. because the world did. <laughs> this was Jeanette McDonald's first movie ever, The Girl Who Played the Queen, um, oh. and Maurice uh, Maurice Chevalier. That's not his name in the movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. I completely misread this. His name is Count Alfred in the movie. <laughs> ah, I did just... That's his act, uh, the actor's name. Well, yep. Well, that's fine. You know, just ignore me saying Maurice every time before this. <laughs> this is completely fine. Um, we are yeah, professionals. So, so Maurice, he didn't think that... Like, he thought he was too much of a lowbrow sort of actor to play... Uh, sorry, he, he claimed that an actor of his, his humble background is how he worded it. Um, mm-hmm. He thought he would never be capable of playing a royal. Um, and he had to be persuaded by a director by the director. And he, he did pretty good, I think. I think he managed. Yeah, I mean, the accent made it sometimes hard when he was serious. Like, it, it, yeah. when it's funny, it's fine. But sometimes when it was supposed to be more serious, the accent kind of got in the way but in general i think he did a good job i agree um and these two were you know really fucking successful they loved this this Mm. pairing together uh so they did four or three more musical films after this um one of which we are going to be watching at some point because it was nominated for uh for best picture, best in fact, picture. we're gonna we okay. might we might even be watching it next year, but I'm not sure. Um, we'll find out. Watch, yeah. the, the, listen to the next episode to, to find, find out. out. <laughs> yeah, no, we're gonna see Jeanette McDonald a bunch more. She was she nice. She was. I liked uh, her. She started like three more best picture nominees, so we're mm. gonna we're gonna see her a bunch. Um, Maurice, I don't think was necessarily as successful after this um mm-hmm. but we are going to see him at least one more time in combination with uh Jeanette so okay sick so yeah that's all <coughs> good and interesting stuff yeah <coughs> well those were the movies <coughs> don't die i'll try not to <laughs> yeah no those those um, were indeed our movies which would lead us to well we haven't done the honorable mentions in a while, probably because we don't really have any, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, I will quickly check if there's any honorable mentions yes. here. Um, well, there's, a, there's a movie here that might be interesting. Uh, it's called The Arizona Kid, which, as you might have guessed, mm-hmm. is a sequel to In Old Arizona. Yeah, nice. Yeah, starring Warner Baxter again. Uh, it was not nominated for any awards, but it was a hit at the box office. So I might still look this up. I really liked In All Arizona, so I might look this up and have a look at the sequel. It won't be as good, but, you know. Probably not, but I like that as an honorable mention. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good honorable mention, I think. Um, there's some fascinating titles in here. Uh, such as Call of the Flesh, The Cat Creeps, Children of Pleasures. I'm not sure if I would uh, note any uh, of these as honorable mentions. Um, yeah, there's nothing else here that I, that really sort of 
springs out Stakes. to me as okay. something we should absolutely mention. Okay. Maybe the fact that the well, there was a, there was a Hitchcock movie. Oh. Uh, it was called Murder. <laughs> of course, it was. <laughs> <laughs> with a, with an exclamation point. Uh, so I think Hitchcock might be you know quickly worth mentioning. Beyond that, no we're probably this. good. I think it's yeah. time for us. Well, to a do bunch a of top... a bunch of Mickey oh. Mouse stuff. That's interesting. A bunch of silly symphonies. This is really like animated shorts. Really, were starting to take off because mm. synchronized sound, and that's yeah, that's a really interesting thing. Um, and I, it might be worth to quickly note that the top-grossing film this year was a film called Whoopi, which was a comedy <laughs> musical western film. <laughs> which Whoopi! honestly, kind of intrigued by the fact that it's called Whoopi. <laughs> might have a look at this. Um, but yeah, beyond that. Nothing yeah. crazy. All right. I guess we'll move on to our top fives. Um, yeah. That, you well, do something else I was going to quickly go through honorary awards, but there weren't really ah. any. There was one. Um, Carl Lamy, the co-founder and president of Universal, got a special Academy Award for All Quiet on the Western Front, which was given mm. to him by Louis B. Mayer, the vice president of MGM. I want to present to you Mr. Carl Lemley, who is a real pioneer in the art of motion pictures as well as the president of the Universal Film Corporation, whose company produced that marvelous production, All Quiet on a Western Front. Mm. That's pretty much all there is. There was no uh, no other Percy. honorary awards. So I think we can indeed safely we move, can on move on to, to our top, top fives. All right. Um, I'm interested this time. I think we might have quite a different one. I also think this, but I do think we can both agree that Disraeli is number five. Yes. Yes. This really is definitely a number five moment. Please do not watch it. No. I would not recommend no. it. I also it's it was such a bitch to find. I went through so much effort to find this movie and it was so not worth it. <laughs> it was not worth it. It was so not worth the effort. Um <laughs> Number four. I I think for me it would have to be love parade for its ending otherwise it would have done so well but i just i'm really frustrated with how they kind of ended up just putting the man in a power of uh, in a position of power in the end and just completely ruining the whole thing that's absolutely fair i think my number four is going to go to the big house okay oh interesting okay okay um yeah and then my number three is going to be the divorcee Mm, yeah, I think mine will have to be as well. I think, like, both Love Parade and The Divorcee, I enjoyed more than All Quiet on the Western Front, but both just kind of ruined it ruined so much the in ending. the end that I have to put All Quiet higher, which would also put uh, The Divorcee on number three for me. That scans. And um, All Quiet on number two. Oh, that's interesting, because number two for me is going to be The Love Parade. They fucked up the ending, but I do still think the rest of the movie yeah. was so good to me. Yeah, I get that. Um, and then All Quiet becomes my number one. I th I think that that was genuinely just the the best thing they did this year. It was really, really strong. I just, I really like The Big House. And again, it's not something that I'm necessarily was so deep or good that I'm going to remember it in a few years. But I just, I just really, this was really a movie that I could just sit down and just, yeah, I don't yeah. know. No, that's Completely good. Completely relax to and enjoy to. That's good stuff. And enjoy to. <laughs> relax yeah. to and enjoy to, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is a very different top five. 
Like, yeah. normally we get, like, at least the top and the bottom the same. The, not even close this time. Like, the bottom no. is the same. well, the bottom. <laughs> and then there, there's one in the middle, the divorcee, but for very different reasons. Yeah, exactly. I like that, though. We we love a yeah. little bit of variety A little bit of variety. Sometimes. This is, you know, we ha- th- 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 this is why this is such an interesting podcast, is because we have two hosts <laughs> with such different tastes. Oh, it's crazy. This it's is crazy. the first in four episodes where we have a completely different taste. But... You know, this is fine. <laughs> this happens all the time. Um, so, yeah, are you ready to uh, to move on to our winner? I, yeah, I'm okay. very curious. It was so human for me was to do you want to hazard a guess i'll i'll let you know um how many nominations each of them got so yes. lowest amount of nominations mm-hmm. disraeli uh oh no oh no that movie yeah besides best picture disraeli was nominated for best writing and best actor best actor uh it won mm-hmm. obviously um then four nominations each for all quiet the big house and the divorcee um, mm-hmm. All Quiet, besides Best Picture, was nominated for Best Directing, which it won. Mm-hmm. It was also nominated for uh, Best Writing, which it didn't mm-hmm. win, and Best Cinematography, which it also didn't win. The Big House was, besides Best Picture, also nominated for uh, Best Actor, which it didn't win. Um, best Sound Recording, which it did win, and Best Writing, which it did win. Mm-hmm. And The Divorcee was, besides Best Picture, also nominated for Best Directing, um, best actress and best writing as well, uh, of which mm. it only won best actress. I see. I see. And then the Love Parade got six nominations. Six, yeah. Uh, besides best picture, it uh, was also nominated for best directing, best actor, not for best actress. Funnily enough, mm. um, not for best writing either. The only best picture nominee not to be nominated for best writing, um, best sound recording. Best Art Direction, and Best Cinematography. It won none of these. Oh, <laughs> okay, I see, I see. Um, okay, let me let me quickly see. I don't think it was all quiet. I don't think it was as big as um, the 2022 version was in, in uh, this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was Disraeli either. Mm-hmm. I refuse to believe. I refuse to believe. <laughs> um, Just manifesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't think the big house either because it was not really that. Imp- it didn't feel that impactful. It didn't feel like a best picture winner, which leaves divorcee and love parade. On the one hand, I'm like, well, having six nominations and not winning any of them seems unlikely. But that was the divorcee, right? That had six nominations. Yeah, that was no, that was a love parade. Love Parade at six nominations. I think they actually didn't win anything. I think that's the story here, which would lead me to believe that the divorcee won. Okay. You are indeed correct in that the Love Parade got six nominations and won none of them. Nothing. But it's not the divorcee, huh? But it's not the divorcee, no. Uh, outstanding production this year went to All Quiet on the Western Front. The Academy has privileged me to bestow upon Mr. Lemley through their vote that that marvelous production, All Quiet on a Western Front, that that's the picture they acclaim as the greatest achievement for the year. It did. It did oh, indeed. I yep. like that, actually. That's cool. Yeah, I really like that as well. Um, yeah. This... It makes a lot of sense to me as well. I feel like even if it was not the one that I enjoyed the most, it was the most impactful one. It's the one that 
will probably stay with me the most. Yeah, and, and understandably so. Um, it is the first Best Picture winner based on a novel. Um, it's also the first to win both Academy Awards for Best Picture and Best Director, which would later become, you know, a more consistent mm-hmm. thing. But th- this is the first movie that ever did it. Uh, and in nice. 1990, the film was selected and preserved by the Library of Congress National Film Registry as being deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Yeah. All right, nice. Well, that that's another year. Our second 1930. Our uh, second 1930. Second 1930. Damn. Yeah, it's crazy. We're going so fast, man. It 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 is going like it's it's. I guess it's been a few months since we started, but it doesn't feel like that at all. Yeah. No, it feels like we just started this like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Well, so we have the the chill fact that next um next year we still only have five movies. So mm-hmm. we're still we're still coasting, but there's a well, lot. Well, unless you you find somehow find another another imposter, but <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna find uh, any okay, imposters. Okay. But there is a lot of interesting changes and 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 facts going on next year. Nice, um, I'm hyped. So yeah, get ready. Uh, as always, we'd like to thank our wives and the academy, obviously. And we are gonna see you all next year in 1931. Yeah. 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 I can't do that. (laughs) Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to episode 3 of I'd Like to Thank My Wife. New episodes are out every last day of the month. If you're looking for something to watch this month, we recommend starting your day with Oppenheimer before having lunch and contemplating the futility of life, before following that up with Barbie to regain hope. Or rather, we would recommend that, but neither of us has actually seen Barbie yet, so E recommends Oppenheimer and Tycho recommends Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. We hope you enjoyed this episode of our show, and we'll see you next month.